This morning, I would like you to take your Bibles and turn in our ongoing study of the book of Ephesians to Ephesians chapter 5, and we will be looking this morning at verses 31 through 33. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 31 through 33. Now, this is part two of a message that I began last week on wives and husbands that is found in verses 21 through 33. Last Sunday morning, if you were here, you will recall, we looked at verses 21 through 30. This morning, we look at verses 31 through 33. Let me read this very last part of this section and the very last part of chapter 5. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus, says, Therefore, A man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Well, our first point this morning is a review of part one. I just want to make sure that all of us are on the same page this morning. So let me just briefly go back over what we learned last week. Last week, we looked at two difficult but beautiful commands. Embedded in this section are two well-known, difficult, and at the same time, beautiful commands. Verse 22, wives. Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Verse 22. As I mentioned last week. Is a verse that for secular thinkers and liberal churches. Is a despised verse. They say it's archaic, they say it's out of date, they say it is oppressive to women. But even Christian wives who are in struggling marriages find this command very difficult to obey, especially considering the way their husbands treat them. Verse 25, many men find this command overwhelming. I'm not Jesus. I'm not God incarnate. I'm not the son of God. How can I love my wife as Christ loved the church? And even for some Christian husbands who are in struggling marriages, this command is hard to obey, especially considering how their wives treat them. And so I shared with you that the context of Ephesians chapter 5 is of critical importance. We need to understand the context of chapter 5 if we are to not only correctly interpret but obey these two commands. And the whole context is important, but I especially asked you to have embedded in your minds verses 18 and 21 of Ephesians 5. In verse 18... It says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. We are commanded to be filled with 
the Holy Spirit. And that is so important to these commands because you cannot, you cannot keep these commands unless you are constantly seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. These two commands are supernaturally obeyed. And we must have a supernatural enabling in order to obey them, in order to live them out. Verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Some translations have submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Christian man, Christian woman, together in marriage, are called to submit to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ out of reverence for Christ. And this principle of mutual submission is the result of the filling of the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Submit to one another. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. But not only is this mutual submission the product of the filling of the Holy Spirit, but it is the foundation, the foundation of the biblical principle of authority and submission that is found throughout Scripture. If we are to understand the principle of authority and submission woven throughout the pages of the Bible, we must understand that mutual submission is the foundation of it. All of us here this morning, all of us at some point are either in authority or submission in different relationships. In one we may be in authority, in another we may be in submission. Parents and children, employers and employees, government officials and citizens, church leaders and church members. We learn that as we are mutually submissive, then we will have no problem exercising God-given, godly authority and God-given, godly submission, depending on the relationship. And as I shared with you last week, every obedient, spirit-filled Christian is a submitting Christian. Submission is so important to fulfilling all of God's commands. So, if we are willing to see these two difficult commands in the context of Ephesians 5, be filled with the Holy Spirit, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, if we are willing to see the context, these two difficult commands become two of the most beautiful commands in all of the Bible. A wife submits to her husband with the same sweet spirit that she seeks to submit to her Savior, to Christ. Husbands love their wives as Christ loved the church. They seek to love their wives with the same kind of protecting love, persevering love, patient love, caring love that Christ demonstrates for His church. And so I want every married couple here this morning to hear again that if you truly follow Ephesians 5, there is great hope and there is great victory to be found in your marriage. No matter where your marriage is, 
this morning, no matter how sweet it may be or how difficult it may be, there is great hope and great victory that can be found in Christ by obeying the principles found in all of Ephesians chapter 5. And then as I ended last week, I shared with you why this all is so important. Why the Bible spends so much time on this. It's because your marriage is one of the most important gospel witnesses you have in your Christian life. Talk about witnessing to the world out there, witnessing to our co-workers, witnessing on the street, witnessing to our extended family. All those things are very important, but the most important witness that you have is your own marriage. God has designed marriage to be a sacred relationship that demonstrates the supernatural power of a spirit-filled life and reflects Christ's own love for his church and the church's submission to Christ. Two people, a man, a woman, two sinful people transformed by the gospel, seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And they are a picture to the church and to the watching world of the gospel. They are a picture of Christ and his church. Which leads to our second point this morning. Where I really want to focus this morning. And that is a profound mystery. The sacred relationship between Christian husbands and wives. Is a constant living illustration of the sacred relationship between Christ and his church. In verse 31, which is a quote, Paul says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. He is quoting from Genesis chapter 2. And this is so interesting. It's, It's absolutely fascinating as you read it in its context. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And then, seemingly out of nowhere, but it's certainly not out of nowhere, he goes back to the very definition of marriage found in Genesis chapter 2. Having said all this, I want you to know this is God's design. This is why this is all so important. This is how God designed it and planned it to be for a Christian marriage. A man leaves his father and mother and holds fast or cleaves to his wife and the two become one flesh. A man, a woman become one flesh. That, folks, is the definition of marriage. A man a woman become one flesh in Jesus Christ. That's the definition that God has given us for marriage. So important that Jesus quotes this in Matthew 19. Paul quotes this in Ephesians chapter 5. And it is a great reminder to all of us. Let us all pay attention this morning From Genesis to Jesus to Paul to today, God's design and definition for marriage has never changed. It's always the same. 
God's definition of marriage has never changed and never will change. And that's why this is such a huge cultural issue, such a huge cultural clash. You can't define marriage any way you want to. It is a man, a woman, who become one flesh before God in Christ. We need to show love and compassion for those who disagree with us. But we cannot change. Because the word of God never changes. We must always honor the inspiration and inerrancy of scripture. And hold to God's definition of marriage. But it's not just, okay, this is the definition. Let's stand by it. It's not just that. It's not the point here. The point is every Christian marriage creates a powerful witness for Christ. It has to be done God's way. It has to be done according to God's design. Which brings us to that incredible verse. One of those verses that you almost feel inadequate trying to explain. Verse 32, this mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Mystery here is used just like it is earlier in the book of Ephesians. It's not something that is mystical and unknown. It's something that was concealed in the past, but now has been disclosed and revealed in the church age. What the Old Testament saints did not fully understand, we now, as the New Covenant, New Testament Christians do understand, and that is that the relationship between a husband and a wife is a living illustration, a constant picture of Christ and his church. This mystery is profound. It is deep. It is amazing. I'm referring, he says, I'm referring to Christ and the church. Richard Koken is a well-respected Bible teacher from West London in England, pastors a large megachurch there. He's good friends with Tim Keller. And in his commentary on Ephesians, he writes this. The power of the gospel to motivate a Christian wife to submissively support her husband and to motivate a Christian husband to sacrificially love his wife despite their sins and their differences provides a powerful witness in our earthly churches of the victory of God over destructive evil powers. To put this simply, if God can keep Christians together in marriage, it's obvious that his eternal plan is working. If he can take two frail people in this frail human relationship and not only keep them together, but make them a picture, a living illustration of Christ and his church, God's plan is working. God's eternal redemptive plan is working. And then in verse 33, Paul says, However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. If you are familiar with Emerson Egrich, 
And his book, Love and Respect, his whole ministry now, Love and Respect. You know that he has built or wrote an entire book and built an entire ministry just on verse 33. We have used that book in premarital counseling. We've used it in marriage counseling. Wonderful book. If you've never read Love and Respect by Emerson Egrich, I encourage you to read it. It is the principle that every wife longs for the love of her husband. And every husband longs for the respect of his wife. But I want you to see the whole context here. Here's why he says this in verse 33. Here's the definition of marriage, verse 31. This is a profound mystery. It refers to Christ and the church. So if this is going to work, if we're going to do this God's way, if we're going to do this according to God's design, then you've got to obey those two commands. You've got to. Wives need to submit to their husbands, and husbands need to love their wives as Christ loved the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, as his own body, as Christ loved the church, as we learned last week. And let the wife, let the wife see that she respects her husband. Then, then God's divine plan will work as it was created to do. Well, let me try to bring this all together this morning. As we look at all of Ephesians 5, especially verses 21 through 33, Paul celebrates marriage as a powerful witness of God's gospel plan. Paul is celebrating marriage as a powerful witness of God's gospel plan. In marriage, there is a supernatural transformation in a man and a woman. Two people changed by the gospel, brought together by the gospel. In marriage, there is a supernatural love and forgiveness every day. This supernatural love and forgiveness has been called the glue that holds marriages together. The love and constant, constant, constant forgiveness that is expressed within the marriage relationship is so supernatural it cannot be experienced by anyone who does not know Christ. It is a depth and level that cannot be experienced outside of Christ. In marriage, the love of Christ for his church is always, always on display. So let us affirm today, let us agree together as the body of Christ that marriage is divinely designed and divinely sustained. Marriage is divinely designed and divinely sustained. At the end of the service, after we have communion, we're going to sing, Sing together, I sing the mighty power of God. I just want it to be a reminder. You can't do this without the power of God. We need the power of God working in us and through us. But as we go to communion, as we go to communion this morning, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, let us remember this. We are in our Christian marriages because of the cross of Christ. We are able to have successful marriages because of the cross of Christ. Jesus has transformed us.
by his gospel. And he continues to transform our marriages by his gospel. At this time, we will celebrate the Lord's Supper together.